Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Righteous Prick Podcast. I'm your host, J.L. Covan. It is 12.03 p.m. Eastern on February, who gives a shit, 19th in the year of our Lord, 2023. I am on the couch today, and if you're a regular listener to this podcast or, well, if you're an attentive regular listener to this podcast, you know the couch is not a good place. It means my shoulder, my left shoulder, has been acting up slightly. So last night, uh, yesterday, I had to skip my um, at-home physical therapy exercises because my shoulder was in a lot of pain uh, on Friday. What's today, Sunday? On Friday, I had a very grueling session of physical therapy. Physical therapy began this week. And it's good. And it is hard as shit. Like after like 45 to 50 minutes towards the end, I'm just exhausted. I'm not even sweating or anything like that. But I am like beat because of the energy it's taking because of my uh, new condition, frozen shoulder, everybody. Um, What I'm worried about is not the frozen shoulder. I'm, you know, I'm geared up for a months-long process of unfreezing my shoulder, of pain, of struggle. Uh, uh, And then we can begin the longer process of rebuilding strength and figuring out why I have so much nerve damage on the left side of my body. I'm like the John Fetterman of comedy. Uh, But, and by the way, sidebar John Fetterman. As a a fellow person of height and a person of size, I... uh, um, I can sympathize uh, and I don't want to mock his health conditions, but I, I, and I can't do this online because, you know, I've learned my lesson when I once made a very lighthearted joke about Joe Biden in 2020 or 2021. And I had various progressive fans of mine denouncing me, declaring me blocked and saying this was disgusting. What was the joke you ask? I simply wrote, Do you think Hunter Biden is ever like, I get it, dad, I'm not your favorite son. And that let me know that in this climate, I had attracted, it was was a harbinger of doom because I had attracted people who simply, they would accept me doing jokes about Jeffrey Epstein raping kids and be like, oh, you're so irreverent, waka waka. And as soon as I touched uh, a, a one on a scale of one to 10 in terms of offensiveness jokes, because the joke is clearly not about Bo Biden it's clearly not mocking Bo Biden. It's just referencing the fact that in every speech, Joe Biden would reference my son, Ball. That's my word as a Biden. I'm not kidding, Jack. And never Hunter. Never Hunter. So I thought that was a, pretty much a one out of 10 on, a, on an offensive scale. Apparently not. And, you know, vice versa. Obviously, when I go to Long Island in front of certain crowds, the mere mention of Trump uh, leads to a, a need to defend one's fragile white flight Long Island masculinity from attacks, from comedic attacks on their fat racism deity. So that is, of course, whenever I mention both sides being at issue in terms of politics, that's what I mean. Um, in terms of politics, politics, I don't think it's a both sides issue in this country. I think one party um, is hell-bent on waging culture war and getting nothing done except maintaining uh, power, while the other party, for all its flaws, uh, is clearly um, moving the country in the right direction and making efforts to legislate and make progress. Um, So it's a very easy choice as far as I'm concerned. And I think people who claim both sides-ism when it comes to real issues are 95% 
stupid, cynical, or full of shit. Anyway, uh, let's see how I got f so far sidetracked. I was talking about my shoulder, and then I talked about blah, 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 and then blah, blah, blah. Well, anyway, let's get back to the shoulder, guys. Now, in my uh, self-loathing kind of mindset, um, I think what you have to realize about me is every year for me is some sort of journey into surrendering some of my desires and goals in life and trying to find a happy place where I can say, okay, so I'm not going to be a successful comedian, but maybe I can walk around pain-free until I'm an old man. Let's set that up. Dream, my dreams aren't going to come true. Um, I don't have a robust social life. Uh, I'm generally unhappy. I'm fairly angry. But okay, let's okay. So so you know we go to war with the with the the army we have, not the army we want. Okay, I hear you. The army I have, then can I at least walk without pain? Can I? enjoy the occasional sugary treat without feeling like inflammation is killing me. I'm 43, not 73. Is that, is, no? no? Okay, I can't do that. Now I'm going to live. Um, you, you know, I, I didn't, this is me talking to God. I'm not afraid of challenging a deity. And I sit and I say, you know, I, I lifted weights so I could get very strong. And yes, I guess a little vanity entered enter Al Pacino, end of devil's advocate. Vanity, it's my favorite sin. Uh, Rolling Stones, paint it black. Down, 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 JL is fucked up and he hates his fucking life. And then we make it painted half black. Is that what we did? We Rolling Stones painted half black? I'm sorry, I was accused of uh, going on too many pity parties on my podcast. Like a friend said that they powered through a great episode, even though I went into self-pity mode. I'd like to address self-pity mode for a second, because the podcast is about 40% self-pity. But just to reiterate what's happened to me in the last three years and three months, like not the three months is included in the three years. In the last three years, I saw my career in, rise by like a phoenix from the ashes, only to be vanquished by an art form that isn't an art form, lip sync. Then Twitter, my main source of communication, had a one-two punch. First, I got shadow banned. Why? Because I'm, because I'm conservative misinformation? No, because I was confused by the algorithm as conservative misinformation. So I was, I was convicted of a crime I did not commit. Then Elon Musk buys it and has actually further ruined the site. I thought there was a glimmer of hope that I might be an unintended beneficiary of his bullshit. No, in fact, I'm, it's, I, I'm just double victimized in terms of the one platform where I really thrived. And just to just put into real dollars, so it's not just feelings and vibes, um, looking at my contemporaries who rose, a Brent Terhune as an example, another sort of Twitter social media personality over the pandemic, I should be at, I'm at 129,000 uh, Twitter followers. I peaked at 146. Many of those, some of those were bots. Many of them left after Elon took over. Like I lost thousands of people who left the site after Elon took over. Um, 
I should be in the 300,000s. That's not like some sort of crazy, like pie in the sky number. I should be in the 3,000s, um, 300,000s on of followers. And had I been there and not been shadow banned, I have calculated that roughly even, even, even going for sort of a loss of interest and revenue over time as Trump waned, um, I, should, I have probably lost between Cameo, YouTube, and podcast and ticket sales. Um, conservatively since 2021, the beginning of like the, like February, 2021, I have conservatively lost in the last two years, 50 grand in revenue. That's, that's, that's a conservative estimate based on the different streams that were getting attention from, from Twitter. And the reason that's a conservative estimate is that's really just based on me at around 150 K followers with no shadow ban. If you double the following and no shadow ban, it very well might've been a lot more than that. That's just, that's, so, so once again, I know this is a pity party, but I'm just giving you the facts of to why I am sort of constantly obsessed, unless I am just in the funniest mood possible, why I'm co constantly obsessed, because it doesn't stop. There, there keeps being things that come, okay, so that, so we've gotten through the main complaints I've had. Now we get to, oh, oh I'm sorry, and the special. I think we've been over the special long enough. The special, as of today, it's been 485 days since the first taping, and it's been over 280 days. I didn't do the math, but it's been just over 280 days since the second taping. Now, we are on the cusp of it being ready and it being sold. Um, just to spill the tea with you guys, um, do I think there is a good faith effort to sell the special? No. Do I hope there is? Yes. But when the person the person who is making the album is separate from the person who is selling the special. But when the person making the album wants to get the album out right away, and I said, well, um, I'm still assuming a good faith effort to sell the special, and I would imagine a platform or channel buying a special wouldn't want the album out before the special airs. That seems like a, a no-brainer unless you know that it's not going to sell already, that the plan is not actually to pitch it to somebody. So the special continues to be a, 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 a real existential problem for me in my comedy career because I'm, I hope you watch it. I hope you buy it if it's for sale, whatever the case may be. But I'm... I'm the only good thing I can say about it is I still feel very positive and happy and proud of it, which is, which is rare because I've had so much time <laughs> to become disillusioned and hate it and be like, oh, well, now that I've listened to it this many times, it kind of sucks. No, but it's still not out. So I think we're going to hit 500 days instead of fi 500 days of bummer. Can anybody make, can anybody make a, a, a Photoshop of me instead of Joseph Gordon-Levitt on the cover of the 500 days of summer? and just have it be my face and, and on his, and it says 500 days of bummer. So we're gonna pass the 500 day mark, which is, as you may or may not know, that's longer than most Hollywood movies get take to get written, greenlit, cast, made, edited, and released. So those are all the complaints we've heard way too much about from me, but they are ongoing. That's, that's why I can't, it's like, it's like my comedy has a disease, not a fatal disease, but just a disease that every morning I have to take pills for and go to therapy for and get like 
other things done and get medical checkups because they, these, these failures in my career are ongoing. Okay, but that's it. Lip sync, Twitter, the special. Those are like the chronic conditions afflicting my comedy career. But then in the last three months, we get to a couple of other things, which is all six of my albums disappearing from streaming due to most likely a company, an unscrupulous company, uh, conducting a lawsuit that, that then um, me getting out of, the law, getting out of it um, somehow triggered some sort of catastrophic nuclear option on my albums where every streaming platform suddenly decided that work I made and have owned for, uh, since 2006, uh, I no longer had the license to, 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 uh, to, to own it. And that was a deeper cut because of how unexpected it was and how, how it cut to the core of my entire comedy career, which has only been my adult life. It's only been the focus of my adult life. So that happens and I go, okay, we're at rock bottom. We're at rock bottom. I have no new special and now I have no old albums. <laughs> so that wasn't rock bottom because I would have shoulder surgery, a routine prep procedure that would become not so routine. I would have to go in, I'd, and then I had to cancel a Pittsburgh gig. I had to have the surgery again. And then yesterday, my shoulder was fucking killing me. Now, I walked six miles, and I would walk six miles more just to feel my shoulder give out and make me depressed like I don't care anymore. My fucking comedy career is killing me like my shoulder. Okay, that was a bad attempt at the Proclaimers. Anyway, guys, remember the two twins who looked like Buddy Holly, One Hit Wonder? Um, Benny and June soundtrack, I believe. Uh, so... My shoulder's killing me yesterday. I have to skip my exercises. I did them today. I was able to do them today. And then it, it just, it feels like my health is collapsing in real time, which is, which is a different level of obviously concern and, and shit. But that is also something that is like weighing on my mind always now. It has to share, it's in a timeshare with my comedy career. <laughs> it's like, is it your week for us to fuck up jail's life? Or is it, no, no, remember you have the week after President's Day weekend, shoulder is gonna fuck things up for, for the holiday weekend. Remember he booked it a while ago when after second surgery, we weren't sure if he'd be feeling good and we might like allow comedy to occupy most of the real estate for the month. But remember I said, no, no, I think shoulder is gonna act up after physical therapy. So. My concern is not the physical therapy. The physical therapy is already paying dividends in terms of loosening my shoulder a little bit. It's still gonna be like months of this like intense shit. But the shoulder pain yesterday was like, mm, this is reminiscent of when the first surgery failed. It's not quite as bad, so let's, let's pray on it and hope that it's not. But mm, it feels a little more like shoulder surgery fuck up adjacent than Ooh, physical therapy's tough. So there's that. And then there's the uh, part that is sort of overlooked, which is uh, a possible, oh, cookies, cookie fell asleep and she's making some sleeping noises. How adorable. Um, then there's the part about me being uh, potentially sued in Europe for using copyrighted images of five or eight years ago 
uh, on my blog, which makes no money. As you, can, as you know, in keeping with my brand, the blog is a, 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 a non-profit. <laughs> so um, once again, it just felt like, wow, my blog, interesting. So yes, all self-pitying, but it's kind of hard when your physical health and your entire comedy career is cr- are crumbling to then do a podcast about your personal life and your comedy career and not have it be like, uh, we're just going to run through the agenda. Everything's fucked all at once. The sequel from A24 Cinemas to the Best Picture frontrunner. This is JL's comedy career uh, in the multiverse. Um, so I feel like I've gone through four or five multiverse options in the last three years in my comedy career, and they've all ended up in failure. And then you just tack on a little thing, which is me getting paid, now billions, I even said this to the righteous girlfriend who, God help her, if you think you're annoyed with me listening to this podcast, I mean, every morning, it's like Groundhog Day, but instead of fucking Sonny and Cher, it's like me drinking coffee going, hey, I feel terrible, my comedy career sucks, how are you this morning? Except that's a lie, I don't even ask how she's doing in the morning because I'm so fucking self-absorbed with my ever-present feeling of disgust, anger, and pain. Anyway, um, you know, we're hoping that the Madonna tickets can, can buy, me some, buy me some goodwill. Um, spe- speaking of which, thank you everybody who enjoyed Italian Guy. Um, if you like Italian Guy, there's a big chunk on both the album, and the bits are different, but there's chunks on both the album and the special, Half Blackface, where I declare Italians the best at racism. And so, uh, like I've predicted for what feels like a year, because I thought the special would be out by now, um, basically I said, what Dave Chappelle is to trans people, my special may make me to the Italian-American community. Um, But look forward to that in the next three weeks to nine years when the special comes out. But uh, thank you to everybody who liked Italian Guy. I, I take pride in that sort of, that, that improv uh, and that character. Oh, but um, Billions was one of the, mo- the unblemished successes of the last three years for me. I simply got cast with no agent. I auditioned, I got the part, and then I did it, and it was fun, and I got to eat lots of hamburgers, and I got paid nicely for half a day's work, and I said, great. Now, I don't have a manager or an agent, so I can't parlay this into more auditions. But you know what? Um, one day, when like the Riverdale Press writes an obituary about me as favorite son of Riverdale, former Bronx prosecutor, comedian during the pandemic of 2020, and even parlayed that into a small role on Billions. There, I ju- there you go. If anybody from the Riverdale Press is listening, my local, my local hometown paper, I just wrote my obituary for you. Please use a good photo. And also, in my list of books for Patreon people, my list of books for this year, I have a, lar- a big chunk of books that I, I want to get through in 2023. That's like one of my goals. I'm sure, I'll, I'm sure I'll go blind now that I've spoken that into existence. I'm sure I will lose my eyesight before the end of 2023 and be like, all I want to do is read books. And apparently I can't do that because now I'm blind. Um, cue corns blind. Uh, Corn is a band for those of you, you know, I have a wide range. I have, I have 19 people from every demographic making up my fan base. So in the aggregate, it's a small fan base, but in terms of marketability, it's a use it's, it's, I have 19 senior citizens, eight people under the age of 25, 13 people, 25 to 40 and 93 people in their forties. 
There it is, the JL fan base. Not afraid of having no large enough group to make you marketable. But I was going to do uh, Christopher Hitchens' book, which I've had for a long time. I think it's God is Not Great, his sort of witty atheist, uh, like well-regarded book. I've had it for years. I think I will read that, and then I will do a special Patreon book review episode as Ron Reagan reviewing it. So I'll, you'll get some long-form Ron Reagan. Now, when I read Christopher Hitchens, I thought, at least this guy's cooler than my piece-of-shit parents, whose graves I visit annually to urinate on. Not afraid of going to hell, Ron Reagan, reading a Christopher Hitchens book. So look forward to that sometime this year. Sometime this year. If my eyesight holds up, hey, is my eyesight failing in any way? No, it's not. But why? Why should that mean I won't go blind within ten months? Why? I don't know. I mean, are you guys not paying attention? Is there? It, there's no logical senses. You just bet on failure. In Passenger Fifty Seven, Wesley Snipes said, "I almost sounded like MacGruber there." In Passenger Fifty Seven, Wesley Snipes said, "Always bet on black." Well, when it comes to jail, always bet against half black. And this is how you turn MacGruber. Well, I guess what we're not doing that now, are we? And you can turn it into Christopher Wallace very soon. Who's talking to Christopher Wallace? Well, it's me. It's MacGruber. And you know what? I don't like your face, Chris Wallace. Well, I don't much like your face, MacGruber. You want to go? Let's go. There it is. Chris Wallace talking to MacGruber. Who gives you that kind of content? Nobody. And that's why they make money and why we're all here in the muck with quote unquote self-pitying JL. So billions is like this untouched, well, at least billions. At least billions, hey, if I never get on TV again, that is an unblemished success. A, a wonderful, cool thing I can tell somebody at a bagel shop 40 years from now when I'm an old guy, and they go, you weren't on billions, you old piece of shit, and then they, they hit me in the head with a chocolate milk bottle, and I crack my skull on the sidewalk and die. <laughs> there it is. I've written my... All I wanted to do was eat a bagel and read the newspaper as an old man. Sorry, you're JL. That can't happen. Hate crime. And then they go, it actually wasn't a hate crime because they didn't know he was half black. They were racist Italian youth, but they didn't know he was half black. They just thought he was a mouthy old Italian guy. <laughs> <laughs> there it is in my and I get I get whitewashed in my obituary. Anyway, billions unblemished. Just oh good billions. At least billions worked. Nothing. No, no. In January, even that got fucked up because now I'm in a battle with entertainment partners, some giant billing company for like entertainment company uh, entertainment outfits. While I'm talking to their call center in India. And they've got given up on helping me. Like, I guess my tone was not nice enough. I'm like, ma'am, the number you gave me that you assured me would help me straighten this out and I could find out when I was getting my check. Well, it's the wrong number. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Here's the number for SAG. I'm not in SAG, you SAGIT. <laughs> I'm not in SAG. So why would I call SAG? Are you telling me you can't help me? So I got a W-2 for 2022 payment for billions. I guess when it aired, I get another check. Wonderful. Wasn't expecting that. Um, it would have been much cooler to get surprised by the check and not the tax form. And then my accountant's like, well, they filed a W-2, so we should report this income. And I'm like, report what income? 
Is that, can I do that? Can I just issue 10, can I issue W-2s to people as expenses that I never paid? Am I allowed to do that? Is that a new tax scam I can do? Oh, it looks like JL is owed uh, $180,000 this year because he paid a bunch of money to people who just happened to never receive the money. Oh, well, I guess that's not my problem, according to Showtime Entertainment Partners and my own accountant. So now I've got a headache with this where I'm like, when am I getting this check? If I'm getting this check, and also call me crazy, if I'm getting paid in February or March of 2023, I know this is gonna seem insane, but that feels kinda like 2023 income. Last time I checked, I don't have a time machine. It feels like if I get paid in 2023, that it might, just might, be 2023 income and not 2022 income. But I'm a fucking miserable, self-pitying psycho, apparently. So, now that billions is now that the billions experience is ruined in some capacity, like in other words, they took taxes out of the money they're paying me. But that doesn't mean I'm not in a higher tax bracket and maybe they take a little bit more out of it if I report it. But here's the thing. Let's say they need to take, let's say reporting that. $1,220 after taxes for that 2023 residual the episode airs payment. If I have to pay a fucking dollar, oh, I almost turned, if, excuse me, if I got to pay another, if I got to pay one fucking dollar, okay, for what? For what? You didn't pay me the money. If I got to pay one, what, what, so it can go to some Newark inner city school? Is that what I'm paying for now? So that some guy can drive a, uh, an escalade on his welfare from the government that my one extra dollar in taxes is paying for? I don't think so. I don't do that. And that's not racist. I believe in paying what you owe, but not paying more. And certainly I'm not going to pay for some guy who's got no job. And all of a sudden he says, oh, this stuff, you were on billions? I want my taste. I want my taste because slavery, because... Uh, because reparations, I don't do reparations, okay? I do reservations at my favorite Italian restaurant, okay? Fabanucci's, okay? You got to try the veal. It's unbelievable. And the fucking, the, the, the receptionist there, uh, not the, you know, the fucking hostess, okay? Can you even say that? No, they probably want to say, the person who hosts, you probably can't even say, this, oh my God, you walk in there, you walk in there for fucking spaghetti and meatballs and you leave with fucking creamy alfredo sauce over your pants because this is one hot piece of ass and by the way by the way i heard that her grandfather's latino so it's not even like she's a full italian and i'm still sitting there with a full brajol in my pants trying i'm trying like i'm trying to eat with with the missus and all of a sudden no here's everything okay with your meal yeah everything's okay with my meal but my you know the seam of my pants is ripping right now why don't you take your pretty ass over back to the to the little stand and mind your business. So not, ra you know, totally not racist when you look at it that way. But they want to take a dollar. If they want to take, I worked hard for that Billions episode. I had to learn lines and I did it and I got it on total merit. They weren't like, we need diversity on the set. We need that. No, there was no, di it was called talent. That used to be a thing. Remember, you could have talent and it was okay. And now they left all these fucking Fanooks on the left, they want to say, no, 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 everybody's got to be equal. Everybody isn't equal. And if you're going to take, you're going to tax me, you better pay me. And you didn't pay me, so I'm not reporting. I'm, in fact, I'm not reporting that. And as a little bonus, I'm not reporting two months of pay 
at my auto body shop. We're not even going to report that because you know what? You're not doing right by me. So I'm taking that as a little taste for myself. But then you got these. So the whole point is you take a dollar. You even take one extra dollar out of my fucking money that I didn't get. There's going to be problems. Anyway, guys, I know that wasn't as good Italian guy, but it still felt all right. But it, it wasn't, you know, last week's was, you know, sometimes this was like the dark night rises of Italian guy, whereas last week was the dark night. So both have merit, but obviously last week's was superior. And I'm going to give him a rest. He wants, he wants, he wants uh, you know, he's going to take a few weeks off, I think, to regroup. But the point is now, in all seriousness, if you even, if I even, if, if this adjusts my income in any way where I even owe an additional dollar in taxes, it's wrong. But that's what happens. Every time I think something is totally fine, you know, oh, it's, well, at least billions. That was in 2021. I got paid. That's a wonderful experience I'll remember. For, what's that? You're fucking up my 2023 taxes with money I never received? Oh, cool. Well, thank you. Billions was feeling left out as a success. Billions was feeling like, hey, why do I have to be a success story? Can't I fuck up JL's life like everything else? And here we go. So that's why sometimes it's a pity party because there is nothing in my comedy career and apparently in my health that can't go wrong suddenly, shockingly, and all the time. Uh, so there's that. Have I watched any recently? Oh, I'm rewatching Party Down. I got stars. It's $5 a month for a three-month trial, according to however I signed up for it. Then I look on Facebook and they're like, stars, 20 bucks for nine years. And I'm like, ah, shit, I'm getting ripped off. I could have gotten this better deal. But Party Down is so goddamn funny. I, I loved it when I first watched it. I mean, fucking like 11 years ago, 12 years ago. But it was so good and I'm watching it and it just makes me realize, it's such, it's a, it's, you look at a show like this that nobody watched. Well, well, the stars' ratings were bad, but they were like airing it simultaneously on Netflix. It was a weird thing. It was like, yeah, no wonder your ratings are terrible because it's also going up on a platform that everybody has. So what's my incentive to sign up for stars? Um, but I just think of shows like Ted Lasso and Schitt's Creek. And I go, are you fucking kidding me? Like the, 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 the talent on the cast alone for Party Down is so top tier. But then it's like, it's so funny. It's so damn funny. And so they're bringing a new season this Friday. So me and the Righteous GF have done a, a rewatch of, uh, so I ordered Stars and it was very funny because I was saying, you know what a movie I haven't seen that I kind of wanted to see and I just missed it in the theater? Um, cause I was like kind of avoiding theaters still at that time was, um, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Cause I had heard many people say it was actually pretty good, a lot better than the lady Ghostbusters, which, Hey guys, think what you want. That movie fucking sucked. Sorry. It sucked. I saw it. I paid money to see it in the theater. So this, I wasn't protesting. It stunk. It fucking stunk. Just get like, don't, just because assholes pre-reviewed it with like zero stars because they're fucking losers doesn't mean it's good. It's unfortunate that assholes did that, but it sucked. Oh, and that reminds me, speaking of asshole behavior, John Fetterman, that was where I got sidetracked. Um, speaking of the left, now, John Fetterman, I'm glad he won the Senate seat. Um, when he had a stroke and couldn't campaign and couldn't kind of speak or read like he had before. 
I thought, well, you know, uh, obviously it's an important Senate seat, but maybe Connor Lamb should take over just out of caution and propriety, but, but he didn't, and Fetterman won. He wore his sweatshirts and cargo shorts and, and won. Um, but now he's checked in for clinical depression, of course. You know, that's, it, it's good to be upfront. It's a medical condition. You know, you wouldn't have to, you didn't have to resign after a stroke, so you shouldn't have to resign over what may in fact be stroke-induced depression. Um, I, if I were in the Senate, I would have fucking resigned over after my second shoulder surgery and be like, hey guys, um, I'm just done because I know me and I'm just not in the right mindset to do any of this shit. <laughs> I'm so furious and sad that, um, Connor Lamb, would you, you come take over or, or Governor Shapiro, could you just have somebody fill in or, or whatever? It's, it's, a, it's not in the cards. The JL jinx has ruined my Senate term. But I, I did think of a joke that I can't share on social media. That's where this all started. I think this is now um, minute 38 of a tangent from when I forgot my point about John Fetterman. But I just think the joke I wanted to write was seven months from now, Fetterman dies on the floor of the Senate. Progressives and Democrats praise him for normalizing death at the workplace. <laughs> because it just gets, it's like, it's so good that he's, no, I'm like, at some point, the Senate isn't a fucking data entry job at an office. Like, it is a super important job. Just like, hey, if Joe Biden, that almost sounded like Donald, J, Donald Trump Jr., China, China Joe. <laughs> if, like, China, China, China Joe. Like, it's like, what are we doing in our country? Um, but if Joe Biden had a stroke and then had... And yes, the presidency is a singular job, obviously, both literally and figuratively. But if, if Joe Biden had a stroke and then was like, hey, Jack, this isn't funny. I'm checking in for depression. Co Kokomo Harris is taking over, man. I'm not kidding. If that happened, we'd be like, yeah, yeah, he's got to step down. Like, my question is, at what point, how important is your job to like the health problems pile up and that somebody's not a dick for being like, maybe Fetterman should step down. Oh, excuse me. We're trying to normalize mental health issues in this country. And you're a fucking hateful, uh, ableist piece of shit. And I go, hey, I'm glad he won. I, I'm not looking to replace. Like, I'm just saying, maybe if you need time off from your office job, that's a good thing that mental health is being, you know, taking care of mental health is being normalized. But maybe as a U.S. senator, we don't have to condemn you as a useless human being, but maybe the nature of the job, maybe, maybe somebody should step in. Like at what point do the health issues become like, okay, well, he's, he's physically challenged, but we've made accommodations, but now he's mentally incapable uh, right now of doing the job. At what point can you just kind of say, hey, I'm not a dick. I'm not a fucking... Um, I'm not Tucker Carlson here. Like I support Fetterman's politics and his struggles with, with the issues he's dealing with, which are, which are, you know, not rare. And it's good that he's being upfront about them, but can no, no, we can't. So that's what led me to the joke of Fetterman dying on the Senate floor and then progressive organizations praising him for normalizing death. And then when you go, um, he gets replaced now, right? Like they have to appoint a new Senator from Pennsylvania. Wow. Wow, JL, here I thought you were on the right side of things, but now you just want to take, what, what, let me guess, you want to have a funeral for Fetterman? 
just because he's dead. You think death, you're, you're deathist. You're actually deathist. You're a life supremacy person. You are a life supremacist. <laughs> God, I thought the title was going to be something else, but life, I was going to say always bet against half black, but boy, oh boy, I don't know which, you'll know when you listen to the episode, but life supremacist versus always bet against half black. That is a tough competition for titles. But yeah, you're a life supremacist, JL, and I never thought you'd be that type of person. But you just, you think because Fetterman's dead, he can't do the job? Yes? Wow. Wow. I hope nobody in your family ever dies while working because you know what? Their boss will probably get rid of them too. And I don't think you'll like it then if somebody in your family dies at work and all of a sudden they just move on and hire somebody else for the job. That's really disgusting, JL. I, 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 am, I have to say I'm disappointed. I am disappointed, you life supremacist. Anyway, so that's that. Um, but Party Down is awesome. Oh yeah, and I'm sorry, I was saying Ghostbusters Afterlife. I literally said before signing up for Stars because, because Party Down begins. Party Down seasons one and two are on Hulu right now, but I just figured I'd join Stars. What the hell? They, they're running these cheap rates and there's, there's always some other stuff you can check out. But I was like, like an hour before I even signed up for Stars, I said to The Righteous Girlfriend, I was like, you know what's never been on any streaming platforms like since 2021? Ghostbusters, the new, I wanted to see the new Ghostbusters, but I was like, it's got to come on Netflix or something soon, right? Or Hulu. I have every platform. I was like, I have every streaming platform except BET Plus. Insert tweets about me being anti-black. Um, and stars. So I was like, I have everything. I fucking Paramount, Peacock, Showtime, HBO, Hulu, uh, Netflix, Amazon, like uh, between me and the RGF, we got all of them. As soon as I sign up for stars, the first thing that pops up is Ghostbusters Afterlife. I was like, that's where you've been hiding, you piece of shit. Um, so, and yeah, Ghostbusters Afterlife is, is, is part of my life supremacy uh, agenda. So I... Um, so, so I'm watching Party Down. We're, we're about to finish season one, the rewatch. It's so good. And I just thought Ted Lasso and Schitt's Creek, these are, these are highly decorated best comedies, quote unquote. And I'm like, nobody even watched Party Down on Stars. Never got nominated for anything. And it's like, I'm, I'm, st I'm like laughing out loud. And I'm like, that doesn't happen very often on Ted Lasso or Schitt's Creek. But what are you going to do? The American people like what the American people like. Um, I've also thought about naming um, based on a line in one of my bits that I'm working on uh, for the new special, the new hour. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of calling it Crucible of Stupidity, which is really just my fancy way of referring to the American comedy consuming public. Um, but we'll see. We'll see if that holds. Crucible of Stupidity might be a little too highfalutin. Um, it might just, I might just have to call my special cool TikTok white guy using black scent and then watch it just skyrocket in sales. Um, but Party Down is awesome. You should check it out. It's on Stars and it's, it's available on Stars and it's on Hulu. So if you have one of those platforms, but the new season starts Friday on Stars. So if you're going to watch it, I assume you're going to need Stars. Um, and, uh, 
but I, I guess I haven't, I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying, um, really enjoying just the narrative quality and the history in uh, uh, the, the warmth of other suns. So that review will be going up the end of February. I also, little thing for just, you know, my fans who listen to this, I recently ordered a blue rain vest and a t-shirt that says Florida where woke goes to die and a pair of size 14 white rubber boots. That's right. DeSantis content coming soon. Ron, we're calling it Rantent. <laughs> Ron DeSantis content will now be called Rantent. Um, but yeah, I'll be making uh, some Ron DeSantis videos, pivoting from, from Trump, you know, just setting myself up as a, a sort of, uh, you know, a, a market for that stuff. Although I, I, I don't want to get into it. But I'm not going to get into it. But let me just put it this way. There is a guy on TikTok who's hugely popular who does some great impressions, but all I keep seeing is his bad impressions, but he's cultivated such a large following that people, his fan base loves his bad impressions. And I only point out that he has bad impressions because his good impressions are fucking phenomenal. And I genuinely don't understand, except for he's a young comedian. His material is, is, is wanting, but his vocal skills are really top notch. But it's almost like he's chasing the algorithm by doing his lesser impressions, which include a Trump. That stuns me because I'm like, but your good impressions are A+. And it's almost like you're, I get to see in real time a talented impersonator, but who doesn't have a, f a foundation in real comedy or stand-up, just caving. I get it, like in real time, you can just see somebody caving to the algorithm because that gets more hits even though your other impressions are elite. And yeah, so that guy's doing way better than me is the point, of course. But pity, hashtag pity party. Um, but I don't think I've been, I've just been focused on my, my physical therapy, okay? Trying to, you know, trying to get myself better. And um, I am enjoying the warmth of other, other suns. I did watch the Bill Russell documentary, and I'll make this point in the review on Patreon uh, when it goes up next week. But the Bill Russell documentary on Netflix is fucking lame. I'm sorry. Bill Russell is like a titan of sports and civil rights. And it felt just, it felt, here's what I'll say. If like my 15 year old nephew watches it and finds it interesting and informative and like inspiring, all good. But I, it, it felt more like I was expecting like, like it is soft, this documentary. I read in one page there is reference to Bill Russell leaving Louisiana for the West Coast as a child with his family. In that one page in The Warmth of Other Suns about Bill Russell, I felt terror and an understanding of Bill Russell that two, a two-part documentary did not deliver. In one page, learning about his family's encounters with white people and why they fled Louisiana, I got more. And it's just an anecdote in this book. The book has nothing to do with Bill Russell, really. It's an anecdote, just because he's a famous person coming from an area that's focused on in the book, than I did from three hours and 10 minutes of Bill Russell documentary on Netflix, where I was just like, this is why I'm always complaining about documentaries, because it's like, they're so easy to make and people buy them. And it's like people, you know, books are, you know, people watch documentaries and listen to podcasts instead of reading books because we're a fucking stupid, increasingly stupid culture. 
you can't, it's not that you can't enjoy podcasts and books, uh, podcasts and documentaries, but now we've just like, instead of reading and getting the depth and the, 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 the intellectual lifting of reading, we just kind of absorb facts from podcasts. It's, 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 it's such another bad development in the, in the intellectual arc of human history. But this was such a like, okay, so you didn't really give me, stop digging up your bed, Cookie. Hey, Cookie Bear, who's there? There it is, when she thinks somebody's here, she stops. It's the only thing, the F word and who's here stops her from doing like negative things. Other than that, she's like, fuck you. I won't do what you tell me. Rage against the cookie machine. Um, so it was just it was just like, whatever, the documentary is my point. Um, but one for the other sons is going real well. Um, I'm, I'm excited. I, I am. I'm excited about videos I'll be making, assuming my health stays on an upward trajectory, which is a real bold assumption. If you've been listening to anything I've said the last 30 to 45 minutes, but um, I did. And just to show you what a hypocrite I am, I did just listen to a nine part uh, critically acclaimed podcast series by Gilbert King. Now, Gilbert King wrote the book Devil in the Grove, and I am on a show this Wednesday with Gilbert King, a panel slash comedy show. Um, and the podcast is called Bone... Oh, fuck. Bone Country? And it's about somebody wrongfully accused of, um, of a crime. Uh, incredible. Incredible podcast. Like, I don't really do a lot of true crime shit like that, like serial... I barely got through the first season. I didn't give a fuck when Adnan got out of prison. I was like, ah, I didn't give a shit. The podcast was like a hit thing, so everybody's listening to it. So I was like, oh, it's kind of interesting. But I lost. I just was like, whatever. Um, I guess I'm glad he's out unless he did it, at which point that's terrible. But this, uh, this, this, this guy, Gilbert King, wrote a book called Devil in, De- uh, Devil in the Grove, which won the Pulitzer in 2013. I read it at least five years ago um, on the recommendation of my brother. And my brother was like, I'm going to try and make the show. And I was like, of course you're going to try and make the show. You're not making the show for me. You're making it because Gilbert King is there. This is what I have to do to get even family to come to my shows. I have to, get, I have to be co-billed with a Pulitzer Prize winning uh, journalist and author. But this podcast, Bone Country, I would, re- you know, um, I would recommend it highly if you haven't listened to it. I found it riveting and thoughtful and interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, and obviously Devil in the Grove, I highly recommend that book. Uh, you don't need my word, it won the fucking Pulitzer, okay? Um, so that's a couple of recommendations for you. Did I see any th- movies in the theater? No, I'm not seeing Ant-Man, because I hear it's terrible and I don't give a shit. Um, I might, wa- I'll probably watch it on Disney Plus when it goes to Disney Plus, just because I already pay for Disney Plus. That's my depository for like, Marvel movies I'm apathetic about. And that's why we have it. You know, I'm speaking with my wallet. Yes, I have Disney Plus. Do I think most of your content is overrated? Yes. But The Righteous Girlfriend likes some of it. I like some of it. And if you're going to deliver me a movie I don't care about, I don't need to spend $25 on popcorn and tickets to see it. I can see it under the umbrella of my Disney Plus bundle subscription. So... Yeah, I guess I'll see Jonathan Majors be overly dramatic in a bad movie. Um, Oh, wait, that was Devotion. That's on Paramount+. Plus. Wow, Jonathan Majors taking stray bullets during the Righteous Prick podcast. 
Jonathan Majors is basically becoming a bodybuilder with over, oh, like twitchy, twitchy face acting. Wow, did I go there? I went there. I went there. Sorry. Sorry I went after um, the new acting king or Kang if you're going by characters. How about that? But uh, I look forward to seeing him in Creed 3 where he plays Clubber Lang, but not just randomly an angry black man, but angry because of the criminal justice system. Uh, I don't know, Creed 3 just, Creed 3 looks like, uh, it's probably where the franchise is gonna start to take a real dip. That's, maybe I'm wrong, but we'll see. Um, and uh, did I see anything else? I feel, what was the last thing I went to the theater? I feel like I reported to you guys the last time I went to the theater. Did I see some bullshit in the theater? I saw some, oh yeah, I saw fucking women talking and then I, I thought I saw something, I saw something with the Righteous GF. Oh, oh, I took her to see Avatar 2 on the big screen. Yeah, I think, did I talk? No, I think, oh yes, I talked about doing that on Valentine's Day, but yes, we went and saw it. And um, my speed with which I can eat movie snacks alarms me. Um, I got a bag of peanut M&Ms and a, no, sorry, a bag of, of Reese's Pieces and a large popcorn, like a bucket. And there were so many commercials and trailers before Avatar 2 on the IMAX. I was done with the snacks as the three hour and eight minute movie began. That's how I eat snacks like Cookie eats kibble. Just, I'm not looking up or breathing until this is gone. It's not healthy and that's why I should probably stay away from movie snacks and maybe even movies in the movie theater. Um, but yeah, so, so I did see a movie, but it's, I've already discussed Avatar 2 in the past. Um, and I guess that's, I think that's it. My health is terrible. My comedy career is in shambles. Um, John Fetterman and Jonathan Majors caught major heat from this podcast today, unexpectedly, probably. Um, and the Bill Russell documentary is, is, is fluffy garbage. And I don't mean it's fluffy garbage like it, it whitewashes anything. or say, It just, it's, it's a real, hey, eighth grade class, we're going to, it's Black History Month. So for all you sports fans, we're going to watch a, an acceptably um, friendly, like, like a nice, just a nice documentary about a civil rights and athletic icon, Bill Russell. And none of your parents can complain about this because it's not critical, it's not theoretical, it marginally touches on race and sports and it's everybody. This is the kind of, the only thing lighter I could do is just stand up here and say, not the color of our skin, but the content of our character for four hours during Black History Month. And your parents would have no problem with that except the truly virulent racist ones. So enjoy this two-part documentary on Bill Russell. And if God help us, if you read one page from the warmth of other sons that will make you realize that there was a lot more turmoil and danger in his life than this friendly basketball documentary makes you believe. So Bill Russell documentary, not afraid of challenging people. <laughs> and that's, of course, this is not to denigrate Bill Russell at all. I'm saying I would have preferred a grittier, more robust documentary than a Black History Month fluff piece. 
is what it felt like. I felt like I gained nothing from watching it. I didn't, because man, when you watch those basketball highlights from the 1950s, you don't, you don't get an exhilarating rush. Like when I watched the Shaq documentary on HBO, even though I think Shaq had a heavy hand to play in it, it was so fun and nostalgic and entertaining. And I learned some things about Shaq that like, I was like, yeah, this is one of those few where it's like, even if he co-produced it, there was enough entertainment value in it that I'm like, that's fine. I, I still got enjoyment out of it. The Bill Russell one, I want, I'm not going to get enjoyment out of watching Bill Russell miss five footers. Okay. Like nobody ever wants to mention the fact that the dude shot like 48% from the field and all he did was layups and hooks. <laughs> like he shot, he shot from four feet what Steph Curry shoots from 30 feet basically. But that's why I want to see the legacy and the life and the grittiness and the, the truth about the times that he was in more than they gave me because that's what I want to get out of it. Now, if I'm giving you, and I think I already recommended it, a much better hoops documentary, in my opinion, uh, that gives me both of those things is Stand about Mahmoud Abdul Rauf on Showtime. I much more highly recommend that. And it doesn't even shy away from him saying like some fucked up kind of Kyrie Irving-ish type shit after 9-11. So it's, it's but, but that gave me like hoops nostalgia and also like interesting, like interesting societal discussion. So stand, you know, Bill Russell, greater than Mahmoud abdul Roof in the, in the hoops and the civil rights context, but as a documentary worth your time, stand much better on Showtime than the Bill Russell one. Unless, like I said, if you got like a 12 year old at home that you wanna like show like a interesting like history for like that age group, by all means, absolutely. But, but if you're looking for some compelling content that's worth watching, Bill Russell, it ain't it. Rest in power. So, <laughs> um, so I think I've made all my recommendations. And uh, please, by all means, if you're, if you're, please join the Patreon. I know I make that case. And, and, and I haven't even talked about my shows, but now it's do or die at this point. Um, like I'm too far gone. I couldn't have another surgery right now until April if I needed it. I would just take Oxy and become um, a, a, a white trash Ohio, West Virginia addict before I cancel any of these remaining gigs. But we are in Rutherford, New Jersey. And by we, I mean me. And Gilbert King, if my brother's listening to this, which I know he's not because it's my comedy career and nobody in my family supports it. Um, Gilbert King, me, Dan Natterman, Lou Perez, Rutherford, New Jersey, this Wednesday, 7 p.m. Uh, I, I think it's just going to be a great show because of your, it's going to give you comedic entertainment value, but also like, you know, come for the laughs, stay for Pulitzer Prize winner Gilbert King. Um, and then uh, Montclair, New Jersey, March 2nd, Boston, Massachusetts. Please, I know I have Boston listeners. Get the tickets already. Let's, sell, like, let's just sell this one out so I maintain good relations with Boston. It's a Friday. Nobody's on spring break. They even checked with the colleges to make sure nobody was on spring break to help me out. No spring break. It's not, nobody's going to the fucking islands or to their country house on a summer Friday. It's a it's a, it's a late winter Friday in Boston. Come on out. Get your tickets now. City Winery. It's going to be good. And then um, March 19th, DC Improv with Chris Lamberth. 
get tickets now. It's one show. I sell well there. I don't want any real fans not getting tickets, but God help me, I got to sell that out. Um, uh, March 24th, Philadelphia City Winery. Very important show for me. Okay, Boston I do well in, Chicago we didn't do so great in ticket sales. It was a great fun show, but ticket sales were, were not the best. Um, and Philly ha is a smaller room. It's bigger than the Boston small room, but it's, much, it's half the size of, of Chicago's room. So it's, it's a sweet spot. I've often done well in Philly. If you are a Philly person or you have friends in Philly, fucking buy those tickets now. Princeton, New Jersey, the 25th. And then the motherfucking special taping. Ticket sales are atrocious. Uh, <laughs> whatever, I don't, I don't get it. I'm, I'm real happy with the hour that's coming along. I know it's, you gotta remember, it's been, it's been only, it'll be only like 10 months since, it'll be 10 and a half months since the special taping part two, but it's really over, it's over a year and a half in terms of when the first set to this one. So it's, it's all new material. It's material that's doing really well that I'm still fine tuning every day. So New York, if you're in New York City or anywhere near New York City or you're gonna be in New York City, get tickets to that. But obviously just whatever city you're in, I hope my gigs are, are accessible or close for you. But um, you know, and if you can't make any of the shows or whatever, yeah, consider the Patreon. Not because I'm fucking desperate for money, but just because I've put a lot of good, good shit on the Patreon. So patreon.com slash J-L-C-A-U-V-I-N. And now over the next month, guys, uh, I'm going to hopefully not get sued in Europe. I'm hopefully going to get my albums back on the internet by like April. Um, I will have a special hopefully out by April and hopefully my shoulder continues to heal and I don't have setbacks like yesterday so I don't have to do pity parties, Wah. but that's it. I don't wanna record from the couch anymore but today was, it was a little setback this weekend so I was a little more comfortable just sitting on the couch rather than the desk chair. So that's it, time to go write some material, time to read some more Warmth of Other Suns and watch Party Down and do all the things that a fat, depressed, physically broken, spiritually jinxed comedian does, because that's who I am and that is my truth. See you next Tuesday. And time for the long log out because I gotta type in the password on my phone because the law firm wants me to have a password protected phone, even if it makes me look super shady to the righteous girlfriend. See you next Tuesday.